I am just so thankful this morning. Amen? So thankful. So many things to be thankful for. You know, we could just sit here all day long and just go miracle after miracle, blessing after blessing. Just who uh, started your list of the things you're thankful for? Amen? Is it growing? Every day, every day, I'm just more amazed of the things that I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that you got up this morning, showered, some of you. Showered. Grabbed your children. Fed some of them in the car. Might have had words with your husband or wife on the way to church. That tends to be when it happens sometimes. But I'm thankful for you. I am thankful that you are faithful to God, that you are faithful to this body. I look at you every Sunday when you come in, and I just say, Lord, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. You are a testimony to other people. You know, some people, they come every Sunday, and they always look for one or two people just to make sure that they're here because that brings that, that it's like because that consistency in them makes them feel a little bit better. Amen? And I just want to say thank you for coming to church. Thankful, thank you for being faithful um, to the vision. Amen. You know, there's 10,000 churches in Houston right now. And God led you to this one. And uh, we don't take that for granted. I don't preach to empty seats. I preach to full seats. Amen. I don't look at this building and go, oh, look who's not here. I'm thankful that who is here today. Hey, let me just be real honest with you, okay? I really don't care who leaves the church as long as he doesn't. I really don't care. As long as God's here, I'm good. Amen. Now, if God leaves, then we're all going to go. We're all going to Lakewood if that happens. We're out of here. Amen. If God leaves, then we're in trouble. But as long as he's here and he is here. Amen. We had healings this morning at church. Not healing, but healings. And all we did was do what the Bible said. There was no, I know, thought I was going to do that till 30 seconds before I did it. Amen? But the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Amen? So a lot of times, don't look for a tingle. Don't look for a feeling. Amen? Don't wait for the, you know, the angels to blow trumpets before you step out in faith and do something. Because 99.9% of the time when you step out, you're not going to feel anything. You're going to have to just submit your will to what you feel like God has shown you to do. And when you do that, that's when the anointing's there. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this morning, for this opportunity, Lord, to come once again into this holy place. Father, to read this holy book, to fellowship with one another around your word, Lord, to be taught, to be instructed, and if need be, to be corrected. Lord, this is your church. It's not my church, it's not my parents' church, it's your church. This is your church, Jesus. So whatever you want to do this morning, we are all in. Whatever you want to do, Jesus, we are, we are totally and completely submitted to you in Jesus' holy name. Amen? Amen. Well, last week I kind of did a little mini teaching on the Word of Faith, and uh, we were going to move on today and to talk about instruction and correction. But before we do that, I want to give you just one more little group of scriptures from last week, if you don't mind. I want you to go with me to Romans 
chapter 10, verse 8. And this is why and where we get this phrase, word of faith. Because to some people, word of faith is a negative thing. And when you say you go to a church that's word of faith or a faith church, sometimes there's a negative stigma attached to it because when they think when you're saying word of faith or a faith church, that it's just this easy, breezy, name it, claim it, blab it, glab it, you know, confess it, possess it, you know, that there's, it's just kind of a, a lazy man's version of Christianity. And I just got to tell you, folks, from somebody that's been in this for now for almost 30 years, there's nothing easy about this. I mean, it takes discipline to walk and live by the Word of God. It takes, it takes um, discipline to allow ourselves, even as adults, to be corrected. I mean, that's just going to check you out right there. I mean, I don't want to jump into that part of the sermon right now, but how you handle the word no is a big factor in how successful of a life you're going to have. How do we handle the word no? Do we listen to that word or do we just go blazing guns all the way through it? Lord, I'm going to do. No one tells me what to do. Amen. I can't tell you how many people are in prison today because no one's going to tell me what to do. Well, that'll only last for so long before you come up against something that is bigger than you. So I want you to look at this, Romans chapter 10, verse 8, and it says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. So there, once again, is that phrase, the word of faith, which we preach. Now you're getting ready to find out who the biggest faith preacher in the Bible is and what he was pertaining to. Can you go to the next verse, please? Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Here's word of faith. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Every single one of us that's in this room got born again by the word of faith. Now, we are now going to do this. If you would confess with me the Lord Jesus Christ. Is everybody ready? I want you to say, I confess Jesus Christ. Not yet. I confess Jesus Christ. Some of you are real excited. You want to get saved again this morning. I get that. It's exciting. But you're going to say, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Okay, are you ready? Only one thing. I don't want you to use your mouth. Here we go. One, two, three, go. So obviously, confession must be linked to something that I say. Is there any other way that I can confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior without saying it? Can I write it? Can I, can I hum it? Is there something I can do? No, no, no. It's a very simple principle. Let's try it now. This time, use your mouth. I confess. Try it again. I confess. Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Did you feel the faith in the room when you said that? When you confessed it? 
That's what confession is. Confession is speaking what I believe. That's why the next part of the verse says, if I believe in my heart, that what? Why do I have to believe this part? Of all the things God has asked me to believe, what's so important about this next part? I have to believe that God raised him from the dead. Why is that so important to get saved? Because it is the one thing that differentiates us from every other religion out there. They don't pray to Muhammad. They don't pray to the earthly people that brought these other religions and philosophies into the earth. They pray directly to God because all of their servants and all of their, uh, the ones that brought that message are dead and in a tomb somewhere. Our risen Savior, where's Jesus right now? Where is he? He's in heaven. So when I am confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord and I believe that God raised him from the dead, I am serving. This is what makes us different, folks, as a Christian. You're serving the only living God that there really is. He's alive. God's not the God of the dead. He's the God of those that are alive. So what we just did was the principle of the word of faith. I confessed with my mouth what I believed in my heart. So then can I now say that because healing is a part of my salvation package, can I then confess that I'm healed? Is it the same principle? Is there anything different? Do I have to jump through any other hoops? Is there anything else I have to say? All I have to do is what? Believe. And how do I believe? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when I get into the word of God and I find out that healing, prosperity, and salvation are all the same word, All I have to do is confess what I believe. What am I confessing today? I'm healed. What am I confessing today? I'm blessed. What am I confessing today? That I'm prospering. Amen? Guess what's on us, church? The blessing of Abraham. That's what's on us. And if you don't know what that is, you need to go to the book of Genesis. I believe it's chapter 11 the first several verses, and you need to find out what that blessing of Abraham is. Because in Galatians chapter five, Jesus hung on the tree so that what? So that the blessing of Abraham would come upon us. And if you go look at what Abraham was blessed to do, the number one thing is he was blessed to be a blessing. Guess what? You and I, You are a Christmas present wrapped up for somebody else. You are a blessing to somebody else. Every day when you get up, you need to ask yourself, who am I going to bless today? Do you remember when Brother Jerry was here and he was talking about surprises? Did you hear any of that? When God says surprise, if you want good surprises in your life, come on, who wants a good surprise? Do you want good surprises? I mean, do you want to walk into something, there'd just be something there, and you're like, there's no way I could have ever had this. There's no other way that God even knew. Only God knew that I wanted this thing, and yet there it is. I've had it happen before. And it's like God saying, 
Surprise. If we want surprises in our life, then we also have to be surprises to other people, which means I have to take time praying for you to find out what is it that you need. What's the surprise that you would need right now? You know what? I always feel better when I pray for you. I always don't feel so good when I pray for me. I can go down a rabbit hole praying for me because there's always something wrong. There's always something that needs attention. There's always something. But when we take our time and we start praying for other people and start producing an atmosphere where I can be a blessing to you, come on. That's the kind of life that you want, isn't it? The life of a blessing. And there are people in this room, you are a blessing waiting to happen. I've seen you operate in it. I've seen you do it. I've been the recipient of it at times. It's wonderful, but it's so much more fun to be the one that gets to make the surprises. Amen? Amen. Paul preached faith. Paul was the original faith preacher. He was taking a whole group of people away from this law. He was preaching to a whole group that had been trained their whole lives to look for Messiah, but yet they still had missed him. And now Paul had to convince them that even though Jesus was gone, that he really wasn't, that he was really still here. And the only way to get to God now was through his son, Jesus Christ. And it took faith. Listen to me. It takes faith to get to God. Every one of us that are here this morning, you put a value on coming today. Amen? There was something that you valued in this place today is the reason you got up, took a shower, drove. Some people drove from Pasadena to get here today. What did they say? If the church is alive, it's worth the drive. I'm going to have that one. I'm sorry. That'll be mine from now on. If the church is alive, it's worth the drive. Amen? Folks, people got healed this morning. People got set free this morning, folks. We should be excited about the things of God today. We are serving and living a living God. God is in this place. He's been here the whole time. I think he just keeps waiting for us to catch up because there's things that God wants to do in this place. He wants to do to us and through us. But we got to get, we got to get to that expectancy now, you're here by faith this morning. Amen? You came in faith to hear something, and you're going to leave with something this morning. I don't know what that is yet, but you're going to leave with something. I want to show you something. that uh, This is Romans chapter 10, verse 9, out of the Passion Translation. For it says, for if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will experience salvation. Experience it. We're supposed to be experiencing salvation. Amen? This thing is alive. Deuteronomy 30 verse 14 says, and this is where Paul is actually quoting in Romans 10 chapter 8. But this is all the way back in the law, Deuteronomy 30, 14. But the word is very near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. 
Why do I need the word? Why do I have to confess it? Because the word is very near with you. It has to be in your mouth and it has to be in your heart that you will do it. Amen. God was trying to get to this whole group that had come out of Egypt, that it's not so much about the law, but it's about me taking my words and putting them in your mouth and you believing in your heart so that I can lead you internally and not having to lead you externally through this law. I'm so glad, listen to me, that we don't have to live under that law any longer. Amen? I'm so thankful that I can get up every day and I can walk in this wonderful, beautiful thing called grace, power and equipping and anointing. We have grace. And when we mess up, we don't die. That's a benefit also. I wouldn't have made it out of my teenage years if we had still lived under the law. Under the law, it was corporal punishment. It's kind of like how we deal with our children. Our children are not old enough to understand our words yet. So you have corporal punishment to teach them to listen to your words so that when they're adults, they will listen to our words. So when you tell them, don't run out in the middle of the street, they'll listen to you because it will save your life. But corporal punishment, God was taking this whole group of people that had been in captivity for 400 years. They had no discipline. They had no order. They had nothing. They were holding on to a remnant of Abraham, a remnant. They didn't know anything. And notice, when they left Egypt, they left with everything. They were healed. They were prosperous. They were blessed. They marched out of Egypt on fire and on top. But remember in Jude, it says that many of them died in the wilderness because they'd never learned how to live by their own faith. Each and every one of us as a New Testament believer, and I'm looking at every person in this room, faith is not an option. Faith is not an option. You need faith right now. You need faith in God. And not just the Christian faith. You need specifically to be in the Bible for yourself to understand what the benefits of that book are. Because when you understand the book and you start getting revelation and you start walking out in that revelation, your life will change. When we start doing what we did this morning, when we just start acting on the Word, amen? I had no idea what was going to happen when we started laying hands on people. Sometimes as an as a American Christian, we just think everybody has to fall down. But I mean, nobody's got to fall down. And if you do fall down, at least get up well. Amen? I mean, save yourself. If you're going to go all the way down and get all the way back up, at least get healed in the middle of it. Come on. Amen? We have to do it by faith. We have to do it by faith. Really, in reality, folks, the word of faith is just living by the word. Amen. That's really the, the, and it's choosing life. Amen. Every one of us in this room, if God came before you today and he says, I'm going to give you a choice, blessing and, 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 and good or cursing and death, which one do you want to choose? But what does he tell us? You choose. See, God is not just some sovereign God and see the, the biggest lie in the church today is that God is sovereign and everything that happens, happens because that's the way that he wants it to. That is a lie from the pit of hell. God is not sovereign. He's not sovereign. He gives us the power to choose every day 
which decisions we want to make. He tells them, you choose life or death. Choose life. He even helps us on that test. He says, choose life. Amen? We are in control of what is happening in the earth today. You got to believe that. If you don't believe that, then you're going to start praying if it be thy will. Those two things are connected. If you believe that God is in charge and that everything happens is happening according to the way that he wants it, then you'll pray, well, Lord, if it be thy will. But if you believe that God made the heavens and the earth, but he gave the earth to man, he gave this place to us, amen, then I have to know his will. I don't have to say if it be thy will. I know his will. What's his will? For health, for life, for salvation, for prosperity. Amen? I believe it. And I don't believe it's just for a select couple. I believe it's for all of us. I believe that healing is for everyone. God doesn't exclude anyone. He wants each and every one of us to be a manifestation of his goodness so that we can go into this world and show him that God's not mad. He's a good God. He cares for his children. He loves his children. He's not abuser of his children. He doesn't make his children suffer to touch, to teach you something. Look, there's plenty of suffering in this world. Why does God have to add to it? You will go through suffering. You've had children, right? So you understand there's a level that there is suffering in the world. I am not denying that this morning, but I am denying that it comes from him. You got to have these things settled in your heart. Amen. You are going to suffer. And yes, there are times and things that we learn from suffering, but I don't see suffering listed as the ministry gifts to the saints. We do have the gifts of the Spirit, right? And I don't see suffering as being one of those for the church. I'm sorry, I can go in about 50 different directions this morning with that, but we're going to just stay on that. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 23, verse 12. 23, verse 12. We're going to start with this today, and we'll pick up with it next week. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Out of the Passion Translation, it says, pay close attention to the teaching that corrects you and open your heart to every word of instruction. As I stated at the end of last week, if we are going to walk and live by faith, these two things have to be synonymous with our faith project. And these are two things that all the great heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 all had to do also, okay? But we all have to be able to listen to instruction, and we all have to be able to take correction. If we do not walk in instruction and take correction, it's going to be very, very hard for us to walk in faith because it's all predicated on doing what God has told us to do. Amen? Instruction and correction. Um, let's look at Genesis chapter 12 real quick.
it's so quiet. Because it's so deep, Pastor. It's just, you know, words aren't enough. Thank you, Lord. Proverbs chapter, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. I'm sorry, this is the blessing of Abraham. It's in Genesis chapter 12. If you want to go back and look at that, I apologize. This is the promise to Abraham. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's very, very, very clear what God's instructions were to Abram. Amen? Very, 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 very clear. Get out of your country. Get away from your family, get away from your land, and I will bless you, okay? So let's look at Genesis chapter, uh, look at 12 and look at verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. He did that right, correct? He's following the Lord's instructions, correct? And Lot went with him. Oops. What did God tell him about his family? He told them to separate from his family. So right there, Abram disobeys God's instruction. Okay? He disobeys God's instruction. So if you go down to Genesis uh, chapter 13, verses 7, after Lot is with him for a long period of time, and we've talked about this before, and it says, and there was strife, Excuse me, there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram and the herdsmen of Lot. I want you to notice something. Whenever we get out of God's instruction, one of the first things that's going to show up, and this is a helpful tool sometimes in our faith project, okay? One of the first things that shows up when we get out of the will of God is strife. If you are in a situation right now that is filled with strife, and we all know what strife is, amen? It's a constant agitation with those that are around you. It's like five people living in one house but all going in a different direction. Nobody agrees with one another. No one's happy with one another. No one is blessing one another. There's no love in the house. Even though we're trying to love, there's a lot of strife. We're always, we're always, I'm always fighting. Have you ever been around somebody that when you're with them, you feel like you're always in battle against them spiritually? There's just strife. You feel like you're always on the defensive. When you leave that, like some of you might experience this at Thanksgiving. I don't know. Don't talk politics at Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay? That politics is filled with strife. Amen. But I want you to notice that the first time that Abraham gets out of God's will, the first thing that enters in is strife. Amen? Does everybody understand that? Does everybody see that? That there was strife. When God, when Abraham did what God said, there was no strife. There was no strife in his family, no strife at all. Strife is a fruit of disobedience. And strife is praise and worship for the devil. When you have a house that's filled with strife, just as we worshiped this morning, 
in the presence of God, when there is a house and it's filled with strife, that is praise and worship to the devil. He loves it. He loves it when people yell at each other, curses at one another, hates one another, is offended with one another. He thrives in that atmosphere. It's oxygen to his lungs. That's why it's so dangerous. So dangerous. When Abram doesn't follow instruction, strife moves in. Thank you. In verse 8, it says, So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. I want you to notice immediately that Abram takes responsibility for his actions. That is a big part of walking and living by faith, folks. We have to take responsibility for our actions. Amen? That's why I say God's not sovereign. It's our actions. We choose. Don't make a whole bunch of bad decisions and then try and blame it on God like it was his will. No, you just made bad decisions. Lord, I have all this credit card debt. The Lord did not go to Macy's with you and charge anything. <laughs> did he? Who chose to go to Macy's and run that bill up? I did. And can you do me a favor? Don't fall into this trap that all the shelves are going to be empty and there's not going to be any presents and all that. It is a ploy to get you to start spending your money now. You speak what you want. Don't let the TV prophesy what kind of Christmas you're going to have. That is sick. Amen. Amen. You decide. You choose. Amen. Don't fall for that. Now, I want you to notice something in verse 14. This is huge. And the Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him. After. I want you to notice that another way to realize in your faith project, whether you're in the will of God or out of the will of God, is, is God still talking to you? I want you to notice that when Abraham did not follow the instructions, God didn't do anything except be quiet. He didn't add any other instructions to the ones that he had already given Abram. God is not going to give you new information until you've done the old information. God was not going to give Abram a new set of instructions because he had not followed the previous set of instructions. Don't keep asking the Lord, why don't I hear your voice and what's next for me when we haven't done the first thing that he asked us to do. God went silent on Abram. And after Lot separated, say after, God started talking again. Restoration takes place after Abraham did what God said he was supposed to do. Look at this in Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, See now that the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham, being the good husband, heeded the voice of Sarah 
Then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. Verse 4, so he went into Hagar and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived her mistress, became despised in her eyes. Once again, God never told Abram and Sarah to produce this promised child on their own. Abram and Sarah take it upon themselves to try and, because, you know, we all got biological clocks. And, you know, I'm not getting any younger. And I'm not waiting on God anymore. And so they came up with a plan that seemed pleasant to them. But the minute they stopped doing what God said, what entered right back into the fray? Strife. Once again, the exact same thing happens, and now you've got strife in your own house. Because now there's strife between Hagar and Sarah. Hagar and Sarah, Hagar and Sarah. And what does God do because of that? What does God do? Look at, I want you to notice in verse 16, at the end of 16, in, verse, in Genesis 16, 16, it says, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar born Ishmael to Abram. Go to the very next verse, 17, 1. 17.1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. So Abram goes from being 86 when Hagar's born to now being 99 years old before God talks to him again. 13 years, no voice of God. Why is that? Because they disobeyed what God told him to do. Now, I want you to stay with me with this, okay? And I'm going to try and wrap this up. God did not send famine. God did not send flood. God did not make them sick. God did not make them suffer. God did not take away their crops. God did not kill their children. What did God do? He just got quiet. And that strife built in his house and built in his house and built in his house. I want you to notice that when we do not receive instruction from the Lord or his correction, that that strife begins to grow and grow and grow and grow. And God, we have a hard time hearing from him anymore until we go back and we have to figure out what was the last thing that he told me to do. And have I done that? God could not kill that little boy. He couldn't kill Ishmael. That child is blessed because Abraham's blessed. And God said, I'll bless everything about you. So why 13 years? Because technically they had to wait for what the Bible called for Ishmael to be technically a man. So he was no longer a child anymore. So that then God could do Isaac with Abraham and Sarah. We as believers, we have to receive instruction from the Lord. And when he gives us instruction, we have to follow it. And here's the cool part about being a New Testament believer is that we have grace. Amen. So that when we do miss the mark, when we do make a mistake, when we do step off and maybe we try and hurry. Has anybody ever stepped out and tried to make something happen on their own? How many of us have an Ishmael in our life? And you're still making payments on it. 420 easy payments of $99. Because I jumped out and God said he was going to bless me with a new car. And a friend came to me with a deal. And I said, this must be God. 
And so I financed this vehicle, and that vehicle has never worked the way that it was supposed to. It's been in the shop, and you got 499 easy payments of $99. That's not God's blessing. What we have to learn is to do my favorite word in the whole wide world. We have to be patient. We have to do the will of God with all of our heart and with all of our might. And when he says he's going to do something, I have to be patient and I have to trust him enough that he's going to do it the way that he said he was. We let the two most beggarly elements in the world make our decisions, time and money. And in heaven, those are the most beggarly things that there are. Those are the least valuable things in the kingdom of God are time and money because they only operate here. They don't operate there. We will not take time or money with us to heaven. There's no timeshares in heaven. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. There's no money in heaven. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what I want to encourage us to do and what is what is why, why am I saying all this? Because we really to be a disciplined person that says that they walk and they live by faith. We need to be looking for scriptures that correct us. I want to live my life where there's nothing, Lord. I, I don't want this church. I told Michelle this. I said, I don't want this church not to grow because there's something that I didn't do or something that he told me to do and I didn't do it. I want to live a life that is so free and so transparent to God that even if he corrects me, it's going to be okay. Did anybody jump out of bed this morning and say, I cannot wait to be corrected? Nobody likes it. It goes all over you. Amen. Especially when you thought you've done something right and you get corrected for doing it. You get a double blessing for that one. Listen to me and I'll finish with this. Correction and instruction fall under one heading, humility. If you're going to walk and live by faith, we have to walk in humility. I can never think that I am too big to be corrected. I can never think that I'm too indispensable to the kingdom of God that he can't live without me. He can. I have to live a life where I am humble to my family, to my wife, to my children, to my parents. Amen. I have to live that kind of life. If I think I know everything, God can't use me. God is not looking for the the, the most well-trained and the most educated. He's looking for somebody that will listen to him and do what he says. Amen. We have to walk in humility and pride is the anti-humility. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Let's all stand. We don't like to let a service go by that we don't give you an opportunity that if you've never made Jesus Christ your savior. Yes, I tricked you into all saying it at the beginning of the service that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead. The Bible says that you'll be saved. But if you would like to pray that prayer this morning, if you would like Jesus Christ to be the Lord, if you would like to have a relationship with God through his son, then it's very, very simple. Like the book of Romans said, just bow your heads, close your eyes with me. If you're online, you can do this with us. Just say this from your heart. Just say, dear Jesus, I love you. I want to know you. Please come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord. 
I believe that God raised you from the dead. I believe that you're a living God. I believe that you love me. Fill me with your presence. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a hunger for your word. Lead me to a good church. Break every addiction. Every addiction out of my life. I give you free reign. I open up every door to every room in my heart. Fill it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Good stuff. Hey, y'all did really, really good today. You did really well. Everybody gets a gold star on your way out on your chart. Amen. We love you. Jesus is Lord. We will see you. Oh, you know what? Let's wave off. Tell me when we're off camera.